buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. What is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode of Sales Hustle. I've got Jason Jovanis of the Jovanis Group. We're going to talk about sales. We're going to learn a little bit about his story. And we're going to talk about some tips if you are in sales and maybe looking for your next role or if you're a sales leader looking for some do's and don'ts about hiring your next sales um, contributor. So, Jason, welcome so, so much for coming on the show and appreciate you being here. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you uh, got into sales. Yeah. So um, I got into sales at a company called Paychex, uh, which is a big national payroll provider. I started uh, with the amazing title of Spit, which was salesperson in training. So kind (laughs) of like an SDR before there were SDRs, they called them Spits. And I did, uh, you know, lead gen and eventually got my own territory and parlayed that into a, a, a sales leadership role, managing a team of eight. Eventually managed the team of upwards of a hundred and, uh, and kind of the, you know, the rest is history and, uh, it's, it's been a great ride. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, you know, we all know about, you know, when you're out at a dinner party or something and people are like, Oh, what do you do? And people kind of shy away from the fate, the, the, the term. So, Oh, I'm in sales, you know, because, right. uh, people have this misconception of, of salespeople or have had a past bad experience, but I can't imagine saying I'm a spit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't fun telling my parents that, but you know, we it was only a year, so I got my it, I was well motivated to get out of that role. Yeah, let's put it that way, I could I could <laughs> see why for a number of reasons. Um, so tell me a little bit, you know, when you were fresh in the in the sales seat, you know, um, doing lead generation, what are some of the things that you learned early on that kind of still stick with you today? Yeah. Um, one thing I would say, you know, that Paychex is great at is it gave me just so many foundational skills that I still use today. And, and in that first year, looking back, I think that I, the thing that I learned the most is, it, you know, I'm sure this is not totally uncommon is you're going to get rejected a lot. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, sales is an activity job, you know, even with all the tech that we have today at our disposal, you know, at, at the end of the day, you've got to get in front of people. So I learned very quickly that it, it didn't really matter you know, if I knew more than the guy sitting next to me, if I didn't talk to enough people, the whole thing would kind of fall apart. So that's, that's the lesson I still use today. Mm, Yeah. So, so activity is important, but what you do with those opportunities as well, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, so tell me what are some of the things, you know, being a, being a recruiter and placing a lot of salespeople, where, what do you think are some key differentiators from the people that make it in sales and the people that don't? Uh, That's a really good question. So, 
the people that I talk to for the most part have been in sales for a good part of their career, right? They're usually, yeah. you know, let's say anywhere from three to 20 years in sales. So when I look at them, um, the people that are consistently progressing and succeeding, mm. I'll kind of answer the question that way that are moving on a track that is, you know, increasing their earnings and increasing their, you know, helping their boost their career are making very smart tactical decisions about the positions they take, the leaders they work with, and the, the types of companies they join. You mm. know, every, you know, you could, you could unpack all of that, right? But like, and the ones conversely that I see that are having a new job every year, it's almost like things are happening to them as opposed to them architecting their own future. Mm -hmm. Okay. So being very particular about who they work with, where, and, and, and having the trajectory of their, of their career path kind of planned out a yeah. little bit in advance and not just taking for sure any, you know, which is tough right now because I think, you know, with the job market and a lot of people potentially have been laid off sales people, sales roles are always available, right? But finding the yes. right sales yes. role that's good for your career um, is the next mm -hmm. best choice for you um, is, is extremely important is what you're saying. It really is. And, and it's, and I get it. Right. So, and I work with people that are, you know, have been unemployed in some cases for upwards of a year and that's a really scary spot to be in. So I recognize, you know, sometimes you just need a job, right? And if you need to feed your family, obviously do what you need to do. But if you have the ability to hold out for that right opportunity and you really have to define what right looks like, that will pay, pay huge dividends down the road. Like, so for example, you know, there are times where I talk to candidates where they'll say, you know, I knew, I knew that I didn't click with the hiring manager. I knew that our personalities were clashing right away, but I took the job anyway. You know, and here I am eight months later now looking for another job. And mm. it's, it's those kinds of things that when they happen, you wish you could go, ah, like, don't, don't do that. Right. Or, or if you're going to join a, you know, a, a fledgling startup and you haven't worked for a tiny company before and you're going to be their first sales rep and they're telling you, oh, you're going to be the sales rep and you're going to be the sales leader. And it sounds too good to be true. Well, it probably is. Right. And there's a reason why they're, they're chasing you the way that they are. So, you know, just things like that where we have to be, we have to be real careful of the opportunities we get into because we don't want to be in a spot where we're hopping, you know, two, three, four roles every year. That's yeah. where things really get dicey. Yeah. And now, do you think that, you know, the environment has changed a little bit where, you know, it's a little more common that people do hop around? It is. Um, you know, the, the guideline I give to people is, you know, if you're going to move, you know, if you've got, let's say, two and a half years or so at each gig, I don't know that a hiring manager is going to hold that against you, but if it's six to eight months, maybe a year, and you do that three or four times sequentially every year, that is going to give a hiring manager pause. Even at, even in the world we live in today, where you know you've got a lot of hot startups, mm -hmm. they're still going to go ah, like, what could you? By the time you ramp, right? Like and it takes you three months to ramp. If I only get another six to eight months of production out of that person. What are they really going to do? You know, is this really a good business decision for me to bring me up for me to bring them on board? Mm, okay. Now let's talk yeah. about, you know, potentially taking a role at a startup, right? What, mm -hmm. what should a candidate or, you know, salesperson either, you know, without a job looking to get a job or, you know, mm -hmm. moving from one you know place to another place for maybe a better opportunity, what should they be looking for in the companies before they decide it's the next best move for them? Right. So I would look real closely at the company's funding history, right? So go to Crunchbase, you know, see what their trajectory has been. So you see what their, what their burn rate is and, and what their, you know, what and who their investors are. Um, so that's one. Two, and this is very basic, but 
does that product or service resonate with you? Mm. You know, do you feel like you could get excited representing what they do? Um, so many times I talk to folks who just don't, you know, they, they can do it. They're just choosing not to because it's not exciting to them. So make sure that there's that, there's that fit from that standpoint. Uh, what else I would look at on the company level is like, what is their total addressable market? Uh, is there a big enough market to, to serve what they're attempting to do? Um, how big is the sales team? Um, what segment do they sell to? Meaning in terms of size of organizations, uh, who are they selling to from a persona standpoint? Uh, and th there are no perfect answers here, but yeah. what I'm looking for is how, how much or how little does what this company is doing compared to what I have done successfully in the past, right? And if this is, if this is completely different than anything you've ever done, well, probability says you're going to probably have a tough go of it. Right. So that's, that's what I try and coach people on is be, you know, there, there should be a list of criteria you're going through that where you're comparing it to what you've done successfully, uh, in pr previous roles. Mm, okay. Now it sounds like you're, you're, what you're saying is really going deep on the research before, before evaluating if it's a company that you would, you know, would be good for your career or good for you individually. Um, so are you, when is the right time to do that research before you even apply or when? Mm. So the right time to do it, um, we have to, we should talk about how to apply too, right? Yeah. Cause that has all sorts of landmines in it too. Yeah. Um, but once my advice would be you do your research once a your first phone interview or zoom meeting gets booked with whoever the hiring manager is. Right. Um, and so that would be, you know, you have to do it before then. Now, if you're in search mode and you're trying to figure out different companies that you might want to work for, and you're kind of getting, you're figuring out your, the, the landscape of, of companies that are out there, then you want to profile a lot of them very quickly just to see what's going to resonate. But you really want to deep dive before that first meeting. Now, is there a benefit of deep? I mean, I, I, I guess it depends on how much time you have, right? Whether you're working or not working right. could make a big difference on how much time you have to do this sort of research or it's when true. to do the research. Um, but I'm just thinking, let's say for the unemployed person, right? Um, mm -hmm. How beneficial is it to do the research in, in advance and use yeah. that for your, uh, you know, apply your that outreach. to when you reach out to show up differently than everybody else who's just yes. sending off their resume doing nothing. Yeah, if you're if you're between gigs right now, like your job really should be to be out there profiling companies and finding opportunities. Um, can we talk about the how people should apply? Yeah, for a minute? yeah, I yeah. feel like that's another yeah, area I absolutely. really see people, you know, goof up on. And and this is going to sound self self serving, but it is not. Um, the advice I give to folks is if you're interested in a company, the last thing you should do is apply directly on their website. You, you can do it, but make that the, the absolute last thing you do. The best thing you can do is use your own personal network to gain access to the appropriate sales leader, right? Maybe you know somebody that works there or someone you know knows somebody that works there. Do that first because, you know, you, you'll get having that personal, uh, having that person vouch for you is going to be much more powerful than you landing in somebody's, some company's applicant tracking system, right? So that's the, the first thing you do is use your network. The second thing you do is use use an external recruiter, somebody like me, you know, and if you talk to enough folks, ideally you'll find a recruiter that has those relationships with the hiring company and they can effectively represent you and once again, bypass the ATS. That's and like, to me, like I see more candidates get hung up there where once you submit a, you know, a PDF of your resume to some applicant tracking system, you're almost at the whim of whatever filters they've built to, you know, to kind of route that resume right. to the right person. And the bigger the company, the more problematic that is. So you're, you're taking too many chances by applying directly. Now with bigger companies, aren't, aren't they going to always 
for the most part, want you to go through that process regardless of who you know or who you're connected or who your network is or what recruiter you're working with? No. No? No. If, if, you, if you go direct, let's say that, that you, know, you, you want to get into Salesforce and you, and you have a buddy who, who's on a team at Salesforce and he introduces you to his manager, you might go through half of the interview process right, with that sales leader. And eventually, he'll, when, when he or she is very serious about you, they'll say something like, all right, Colin, like, now that we're here, Go ahead and apply directly so we can get you into the system so HR knows what we're doing right now. But they'll, you know, the hiring manager very often will be disconnected from HR as they move through the you know, hiring process with someone that they meet like this in the way that we're talking about. And that's to the candidate's advantage. So, so building your network constantly, you know, maintaining those Huge. sort of relationships and then tapping into them when you're either in between gigs or looking for your next gig is a huge advantage. Massive, massive. So when I see people on LinkedIn that have been in sales for five years that have like 200 LinkedIn connections and like no profile picture <laughs> on LinkedIn, I'm like, what are you doing? Like that just, you know, that's your, that's your vehicle to land your next gig in most, in, in many cases. So yeah. Spot on, Colin. Uh, I know. And I, I, I rarely see people with no profile pic these days. But when I do, I'm just well, like, I look at a oh, lot of profiles. Why, yeah. why are you even <laughs> on there? Like, just, just, just delete your account. Like, just you're hurting yourself it, it, more than you're helping yourself. You know, and maybe and they I don't know any better. Like, but I mean, you know, LinkedIn well, is, is I, I and tell me a little bit about how LinkedIn is. How important is your profile and your network and LinkedIn in the hiring process? Yeah. Because, you know, I've talked to other, you know, recruiters before and they said, you know, mm -hmm. it plays a huge role where, you know, a lot of times yeah. that's the first thing people are looking at before they really dive into your resume. It's way more important than your resume. <laughs> it's way more important um, because it's, it's, it's so much more dynamic than what your resume can can show, right? Like it's a resume is static, right? A, a, your your profile hopefully is a living, breathing thing that's going to change based on the content that you are consuming and the opinions you're sharing. So it it has the capacity to help you way way more. Um, so yeah, like I agree with you. Most profiles now have a picture. Are are those pictures? good, right? Mm. Are they really like, that's the first thing people hiring managers are looking at before they drill in. They're looking at, is, are you smiling? Is it a good, um, are you representing yourself in the best possible way? Or is it a, a picture of a picture from some president's club trip 10 years ago? You know, like yeah. I see those all the time. Like, so people have to be careful there. Um, the other thing I see from a profile standpoint is no detail. I'll see, you know, the company name dates and it'll say sales executive or VP of sales. But if there's no underlying data around what that role was, A, I have no idea who the heck you are, right? Like you're not giving me information that's going to help me know if you're right for my client. And B, you're not going to show up in any searches, right? So on a typical, a typical client search, I might have 15 different searches built inside of LinkedIn mm -hmm. to effectively find candidates. But if there's no detail in, the, in someone's LinkedIn profile, well, there's nothing for LinkedIn to return back. So they just won't even show up in a search, mm -hmm. right? So it's crucially important people build out their profile. So if we just start from the top, number one, have a, a good professional looking recent uh, profile yeah. pick, right? Yep. Um, how important is like how many connections you have, how active you are, things like that? Yeah. So it's so number one, profile pick. Number two, detail in, in your role. Number three, activity. Right. Um, so if you don't have, like, if you don't have 500 connections on LinkedIn, get them, 
right? Like just connect with you know, whoever you need to. Cause as we know, once you get over 500, it stops, it stops showing it. So yeah. below that just makes it, it stands out in a weird way. Right. Um, and to your question around activity. Yeah. Like this is back to my comment before about making LinkedIn dynamic and making it an asset for you. Hiring managers today want to know not just where you work. They want to know who you are. They want to know what you care about. They want to know what you believe in and what you're passionate about. So engaging with content and commenting on other people's posts is how you demonstrate that. Um, just random likes here and there of like those goofy inspirational things we see on LinkedIn. Yeah. That's not really going to do anything. Like it, mm. you, you've got to be a part of the conversation. Um, so that's, that's usually the thing I coach people on the most is like, you got to be a part of the conversation. Even if it feels weird, you got to make yourself do it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think, so you know, from the sounds of it, you know, if it was say coming down to last couple candidates, candidate mm -hmm. A dialed in LinkedIn profile, active, yep, has a network. Mm -hmm. Candidate yep. B, you know, no profile pic, maybe old profile pic, you know, no no context really to to the profile, not being active, you know, less than five hundred connections. Who do you think gets the job? They won't even get that. Yeah, they won't even get to that place. Mm. Like it won't even get to that. <laughs> they won't even make it through. Sometimes I, I can't even, when I'm trying to present someone like that for a first interview, they will, they'll get screened out right away. Um, so but yeah, probably it's, by, it's by the, especially important. if you're working with a recruiter, you'd get screened out right away. You wouldn't even get presented to the client, right? Correct. Like, and, and that's usually, if I give someone that advice, like generally I won't submit someone to a client if they don't have some of these basics done. And if I get resistance on that, well then it's kind of a knockout factor on my side, right? Because it's my credibility every time I submit a candidate to a client. And do you see that uh, individual contributors versus leaders, you know, does one or the other tend to struggle more with, 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 um, with the LinkedIn profile itself? Yeah. Ironically enough, it's sales leaders that I see struggle more with it. Um, I have a lot of theories as to why that is. I, I, I feel like it's, Maybe they feel like they don't need to, that the title should be enough, right? VP of sales should be all you need to see. So there's a little bit of ego that I sense sometimes mm -hmm. there. Uh, and sometimes they just forget about it and they don't think they need it until they need it. And then we're trying to, to you know, kind of hustle to try and make something look good when they're in search mode. Yeah. And, um, and, and to be fair, like individual contributors are typically using their profile more frequently, right? For prospecting, for building relationships. Yeah where, yeah. you know, your leaders might be more focused on their team and like kind of see like what's the point until they need it. And then they're like, crap, I should have been doing this. Yeah, that's a fair point. And yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so tell me some of the other common mistakes with, uh, you know, people reaching out or, you know, submitting or, you know, going for the job that you're seeing. Yeah. So I guess what I see is um, that people are forgetting as they move through the process is they're not thinking of the interview process like a sales cycle mm. and they're not using what they know as sales professionals through the interview process. They're, they're, they're kind of forgetting, like you should be selling right now. And the, the, to me, the whole purpose of an interview is to demonstrate your sales skills, right? So as a, I, I was a hiring manager for, for over 20 years. And that was the number one thing I looked for is, is this person, can they probe effectively? Are they closing me consistently? Can they build rapport? Can they do all the things that I know I'm going to need them to do when they get in front of a, front of a prospect, right? Or referral source. Uh, and if a candidate isn't demonstrating those skills and they're just talking about, you know, their, their, their numbers or their kind of 
you know, keeping this, keeping it too limited, they're really going to hurt themselves. Mm. So, and I see that happen a lot. People, people forget to close at the end of sales interviews all the time. And sometimes when they do close, the close they give is weak, right? Like, give like me an example. The close shouldn't be. Give me an example. Yeah, What's so a weak like, close versus the, a strong close <laughs> in an interview? The, Number one, we close is, um, so great. Um, what's the next step in the process, Colin? Like, uh, you know, what's, what, where do we oh, go yeah, from here? Just, you know, sit by That's the phone. We'll get back, close. sit by the phone, Jason, we'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah. And then it's, oh, well, we've got a few more candidates. Do you want to say, okay, well, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Like that, like it's, it's, we laugh at it like that never happens, but it happens all the time, you know? And, and to me, what good looks like is, you know, Colin, based on this conversation we've had, you know, my feeling is, you know, based on the, how you, you described what a good performer looks like, I think these are the ways that I, I kind of check those boxes. Do you agree? What do you feel like I bring to this role that would help you? Are there any concerns that you have, you know, and, and then maybe from here, based on this, I do think it makes sense for us to continue the conversation. Do you agree? You know, and who else might I speak to on your leadership team that will help us figure out whether or not I'm a right fit for this job? Mm. Right. That to me is what good looks and, like. Okay. You know? Yeah. That's a big difference. Night and day. Definitely. Now what's, what about the follow-up? Yep. What about follow-up after the is key, right? Yeah. So I'll give you the bad first, right? So the, the normal follow-up email, if it even happens, right? Sometimes there's nothing, but it might be, you know, um, enjoyed our conversation, looking forward to the next steps. I see those all the time. I'm like, you shouldn't have even sent anything, right? Because that's not what you'd say to a prospect, right? Yeah. Well, what would you say to a prospect if you, when you end that first call and you want to keep engaging them, you're going to remind them of all the reasons why they should buy you and your product. Right. And that's what the follow-up should be here too, right? So what did you take away from the conversation as the candidate? What did you learn? What did you hear that hiring manager say as they described what good looks like to them, what their challenges are? And then your email should indicate that and should very cleanly in a bullet point or two describe how you're solving for those needs, right? How does your background neatly address the concerns that hiring manager has and then recommend a specific next step, including your availability and close on that. Mm, wow. All right. And what, what would you say are, are what, what percentages are you seeing of people doing things the right way versus the not so right way? Yeah. So 80% of the follow-up I see would fall into the first category where they're, it's just weak, you know? Um, and, and I, I guess the good part of that is if you are, if you're out there in a job search and you do it the right way, you are going to stand out. You're going to look amazing if you do it right. So it, it's kind of good that there's this disparity because it's going to make the, the cream really rise to the top. Mm, mm, okay. Awesome. This is all really helpful stuff. I think a lot of the sales hustlers cool. that are either you know, maybe in between gigs or looking for the next gig will find a ton of value in this um, and you know so. help them maybe show up in a different way and do things the right way uh, when mm -hmm. looking for that next you know home for them. Uh, Jason, any final thoughts? Tell people where they can connect with you, where they can learn more about um, yeah. the things that you teach folks. Sure. So you could, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So you can look me up that way, Jason Jovanis. Uh, I also have a website, jovanisgroup.com. You can check me out there. But LinkedIn is where I'm hanging most of the time. So would love to uh, connect and help the audience out however I can. All right. Awesome. We will drop those links in the show notes. Sales Hustlers, if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, write us a review, and share with your friends. We're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, 
then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.